Live from Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, this is J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez. A trip of music discovery, Jamie is picking people he thinks you'll really like. Musicians, artists, producers, and everyone involved in the world of music. Here's your host, Jamie Rodriguez. Hello, everybody, and welcome to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast. This is your host, this and every episode, Jamie Rodriguez. How is everybody's summer going? If you are new to the show, I know we've been growing quite a bit. You know, we welcome you. We welcome you to our uh, our, our team of misfits here where we listen to um, up-and-coming artists, current hit makers, and musical legends. We cover it all in a plethora of genres. As long as it's good music, good songwriting, we love to chat about it. We love to have artists as our guests, producers, and everyone involved in the world of good music. So welcome aboard. If you are new, then give us a review on iTunes, Spotify. We do appreciate that. It takes 30 seconds of your time and it's uh, it matters. It matters for the algorithm and it keeps us motivated and definitely keeps us going. So uh, please uh, do do that if you're new. And today's guest, ladies and gentlemen, uh, someone that you may know by name, David Duchovny, guys. If you grew up in the 90s, David Duchovny, of course, is synonymous with television for his role as Fox Mulder, FBI agent Fox Mulder on The X-Files, and also for his role in Californication, the Showtime modern classic show, which ran um, a few years ago, ended. Uh, Great show, great show. And Duchovny has carved out a larger creative role over the years, besides his screen work. He's authored four books, and he's released a couple albums, and now his third one, which we talk about in this show called Gesturland. It's coming out August 20th, so pre-save it wherever you listen to your music or or pre-purchase and all that stuff. And the album, Gesturland, is a melancholy, occasionally noisy, but ultimately beautifully affair, and really a great creative triumph for the Coveney. It evokes 1970s era sounds, uh, reminiscent of the Eagles, Neil Young, and, uh, you know, it was written mostly during 2020. So it has tints of uh, hope, of despair. It's a beautiful piece. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece. So join us as, uh, you know, we talk with David about the show, about the inner, about the inner workings of the album. We talk about uh, his late career foray into music, how he started later in life, uh, the guitar skills he has, the singing voice he has. We talk about some TV stuff as well, including, you know, binge watching. Netflix and the way that shows are consumed nowadays. We talk about the enduring impact of the role of Californication and a lot more. So, you know, we, we welcome you to the show. For more information on David Duchovny, visit www.daviddukovnymusic.com. And without further ado, let's get on it. J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with David Duchovny. Look at that compound. Where are you coming to us from, David? I'm uh, LA. I'm in LA. In LA. Wonderful. Yeah. So, David, obviously a pleasure to have you. You know, author, actor, singer, songwriter, and your new album. Uh, you know, it's out August twentieth. Available wherever music is sold, and it's a wonderful album, David. I have to tell you, not oh, just yeah. saying it because you're here, but we've been listening to it for a week since Erica sent it to us, and the twelve songs they just fly by. It's an it's a really great experience. So, congratulations, David. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. From nights to harder to see. It's just yeah. like it's just like a smooth listen, right. and your and your vocals uh, sound wonderful as well, David. 
getting better, you know, <laughs> <laughs> practice, uh, not perfect, but you know, um, so that's certainly been, you know, since I first started to record or even like started to think about recording. I mean, at first I had, I had this uh, illusion that, you know, they'd be able to just make me sound amazing, no matter how I sounded, they could auto tune me <laughs> right. without, without making it sound phony. Uh, and then I realized that's not the case. So since then, since I thought about recording, I've really, I was able to find a really good voice teacher and a guy named Don Lawrence. And I really, you know, I've worked hard on, well, hard, it's fun. It's not hard work, but I've, I've focused a lot on trying to become not necessarily a better singer, but just trying to use my voice, you know? Sure. So uh, that's been a real journey in and of itself. You know, yeah, just, absolutely. Just the idea of like, oh, I'm going to sing. And then, and then, you know, to, to know that I was going to sing live, that was the next step. It was like, oh shit, you know. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know what? Like, you sound great. And, and just going yeah. back to like your first couple albums, this is definitely your your peak vocal form. We love it, yeah. David. And um, you know, David, I was when we were doing the research. I think it was during um, "Stay Until," where we we had this realization that man, like these songs are so beautiful, and they're more layered than your previous albums. Yeah. And we got us thinking was last year almost like a good thing for this album david because it, it, it's just it's just so perfectly made in a way well certainly in terms of the uh production and production is so important as you know um we were almost done with the entire album over a year ago right before the first lockdown mm. we had we had gone from like 18 songs that we demoed uh 14 and then we chosen like 12 that we really wanted to record and we were in the midst of starting to record them when we had to lock down. So we had we let we lived with these twelve songs all year and kind of thought about them and conversed between us, the band and I, about ways we wanted to go in terms of production and instrumentation and just feel and vibe. So it's way more time than we would have spent, you know, had we just kind of finished it before I had to go for the summer, you know, back then, right. a year and a half ago. So, uh, yeah, and also in terms of like songwriting, there, there was something also about, like lyrically, there was something about the lockdown, something about the isolation of the pandemic that made you want to really focus on the part of the songs that were really, you know, universal, you know, really like reaching out to, to, the, to the experience of, of everyone, not necessarily the experience during the pandemic, but just like the experience of being human and, and making everything like as, as, as broadly reaching as you could while remaining personal at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely, David. And, and you've talked about the lyrics before and you, you just let, let's segue into that because the songwriting is A+. plus. Uh, do you have like a writing room, David, where you go like nine to five every day, like an office, like a very disciplined approach? What's your approach to songwriting? Uh, no, I don't have that kind of discipline with songwriting. Right. Um, I, uh, you know, I realize though that that it's good to have it. You know, that if you say, you know, you don't get your lunch until you write a song, <laughs> David. Uh, I'll I'll have a song. I don't know if it'll be good, but I'll write you a song. You know, and right. I could, I could do that every day, and and most musicians could. It's just, I think we we have other pressures in our lives, obviously. Um, sure. 
people, you know, in bands uh, feel the pressure to write hits or, you know, write certain types of songs. So there's all these kinds of pressures that come on. And for me, you know, acting was a pressure situation, you know, like getting the next job that I wanted or maintaining a certain kind of space that I thought I should have. Sure. So, so music to me was like the opposite of that. I never wanted to feel like, oh, I've got to write a song. I just right. want to feel like, oh, yeah, I, I, a song's coming on or whatever. It doesn't matter where I am, you know, with this guitar. And, uh, you know, at this point, because I do write songs, I kind of live in both worlds that way. I do wait for inspiration, but I also know that if I sit down and tell myself I'm going to write a song, I'll, I'll write a song. I love that. I love that, David. And, you know, you've mentioned previously in, uh, in some other interviews that, you know, that lyrics do come easy for you. Like you're a writer, of course, but the music, at least in the last couple albums, was more challenging than getting the words uh, to mm -hmm. you. Has that evolved a little bit, uh, you know, with the pandemic and just in 2021? A little bit, certainly vocally. I mean, I'm willing to to stretch out a little more than I was before. Um, you know, musically, in some ways it becomes harder because in the beginning, you know, I was, I was teaching myself how to play and I was no, I was by learning songs that I liked on the internet, just rock and roll. And sure. I realized, and I realized, oh, you know, there's these chord progressions that are kind of repeating. Um, and I certainly then went and I wrote my versions of those chord progressions repeating. Yeah. And then after a certain point, you know, I can move the capo around and, and change it, change it a little bit. But after a certain point, I had to like grow beyond, you know, those progressions and try to find noodle around and find other progressions that I like. So it gets easier and it gets harder. Right. Of course. Cause your standards also get, you know, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm not going to do, uh, is this really going to be in another, you know, GDA minor song, you know, come on. Right. Come on. Yeah. If yeah. you don't know, you just don't know, you know, right. exactly. Right. I love it. I love it, David. And, and David, for my audience that may not, uh, you know, know this part about you, I mean, you are relatively a newer musician. I mean, I think this is the 10th anniversary of when you <laughs> picked up your guitar in 2011. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, relatively, you know, it's not a lot. I mean, sure. we're recording in Nashville and you hear about these people that were come from Kentucky and they had a guitar at, at birth, basically. Hey, if I, <laughs> if I had begun when I was 10 and I put in 10 years, then I'd be a good guitarist. But if you pick up the guitar at 50. And You're you a good guitarist, it, David. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. And you'll, you can just get okay. I mean, unfortunately... Uh, there is there is such a thing as your brain, the brain of a very young person and the brain of an adult. And yeah. a young person's brain is just way more elastic and fluid. And, sure. and uh, you know, I watched it with my son. My son, in two years, became a way better guitarist than me. And he's just, because he, he's a kid. Right. So I, I don't have any illusions about it. I'm perfectly happy with my guitar playing. I wish it was better, but it's good enough so that I do my chords and I throw them around and I write songs. That's, I, I'm, I don't need to play lead. I, you know, I wish I could come up with riffs sometimes and I try, but uh, the fact that I can't play lead is, it, it's not like a heartbreak for me at all. Right. Absolutely, David. But David, what was like the breakthrough moment? I mean, I'm sure you, I know you always liked music. You were always into the Stones and the Beatles and, and the Eagles and all the, all the classics. But what was the moment in your life, you know, in 2011 or whatever, where you said, you know what, 
this is it. Like what happened? What was the breakthrough moment where you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna do it right. I mean, partly it was being on Californication. There was a lot of music around or a lot of musicians around. Sure. And I had, uh, I kind of reconnected with an old friend of mine whose son happens to be a tremendous singer songwriter, a man named Keaton Simons, who I used to babysit actually when I first came out to LA. So I knew this kid as a kid. Wow. And now he's, you know, he's an adult and a, and a full-fledged uh, singer-songwriter performer. And when I reconnected with, with his mom, Eliza, I reconnected with him. And he was really the one that, that you know, brought me into his studio in his garage in Venice and said, hey, let's, let's just put your songs down, you know? Yeah. I'll play. He's an amazing guitar player. I'll play. You just, you sing your song, you know? And so it was really, it was really Keaton and Eliza. And then, um, you know, but the, the moment of me like picking up a guitar, <laughs> I mean, the, the cynical answer is I, I said, okay, I think Hank Moody should learn how to play guitar. That, therefore, David gets free guitar lessons, you know. That was, <laughs> Smart, cause, yeah. Because that did happen, you know. But, um, and Hank Moody started playing guitar in the last season of, of the... Uh, and for, oh, for my audience, of course, Hank Moody is the character that, that David plays in, in yeah, California. So he starts playing a guitar uh, towards the end there. There um, you go. So there was that. And then, um, yeah, the rest was just kind of little incremental steps towards oh, writing, writing songs and then recording them. Yeah, yeah, totally, David. And, you know, before the pandemic, you were hitting quite a few uh, shows on the road. And I'm sure you're going to get started now with this new album. Mm -hmm. I guess the question, David, is, You've always been around people. You've always, you know, like been up, you know, with your fans or whatever. But what is what have you learned is the difference between connecting with your fans from a stage with the music than, you know, signing autographs or at a press junction or whatever? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, there is definitely something that was new about connecting uh, during a concert, you know, being up yeah. on stage and there's something very intimate but also very performative about it it's like this it's a very interesting uh difference in space like on the one hand you're 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 kind of singing to these the first couple rows those are really the only ones you can see right but on the other hand you want to reach you know the person that you can't see you know so so you've got to be bigger than you might normally want to be but you also want to keep it real, you know? So it's a, it's a tough one. It's almost, it's almost like acting on stage where it's different from acting on film, which is usually yeah. smaller. You know, the, the camera will come to you, but sure. if, you're on, if you're on stage, you know, the camera's not coming to you. You got to go out, you got to go out and get them. Mm. I love it. And I'm, we're glad you stepped up to the, to, to the plate on that, David, because it, it, it takes some, some bravery. So we're glad you did it. You're being so good with your time, David. Let me ask you a couple of questions and I will let you get on with your day and TV questions, actually, to segue a little bit. What's your take on, on binge watching, David? Because obviously, you know, you made a career with the normal, you know, one episode a week, cliffhangers, you know, three month gap between seasons, that whole thing. What's your take on like Netflix, Disney and all these systems being, you know, dropping 20 episodes in one sitting? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's not really the way that I watch because I think I'm, I think my viewing habits were set in stone, you know, with 
I mean, my viewing habits were set with like, I got to get home at eight. You know, I'm like running home because that's my one chance to watch this show. Right. There's, no, there's no VHS even. There's, I'm not going to get a chance to see that again. Um, so, or you, movie. You miss like, on something. I, yeah, you lose something. Well, you know, I remember reading something about, and this was about like when movies started to show on television or, or you would get a VHS of a movie and play it on TV or CD or DVD and play it. And it was like, there was something about how, when you had to go to the movie's house, which is the theater, you know, you had to like go to his, her house, his, her house. Yeah. The movie being a person, like I got to go there to see the movie. Like I got to make the effort. Right. And there's something else about like sitting at home and I'm like, you know, I'm going to pause that motherfucker and I'm going to go do that. <laughs> and it's, there's a different relationship. It's like, there's a certain amount of respect that you give to a movie that you have to go to the theater. You can't pause it. You know, you yeah. got to shut up. You got to pay attention or else, you know, you're going to lose it as opposed to, I'm going to go have dinner and then I'm going to watch the end of it. And then I'll watch three episodes of this and then I'll, sure. I'll, I'll stop it in the middle and then I'll pick it up tomorrow. And, you know, that's the way it is. And it's great. It's very, very um, easy. I mean, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, you would say, and, and I'm sure there's an entire generation of kids who will hear what I'm saying and go, well, of course, I mean, why wouldn't I want it to be like right here? I mean, this is great. I can, I can do this, but there is something about the, it's almost like going to church, you know, like you can't, you can't like everything happens in the house. Now you don't have to go out and make an effort to like meet this thing halfway. Right. Right. I, I like that, David. All right. Well, one more question. Thank you so much, David, for your time. And yeah. it's about Californication. You, you touched on Hank Moody. Um, you know, this character seems to have struck a chord with people in a very deep level, uh, David, just like whenever, just like whenever I, you know, I talk to people about shows or something like mm -hmm. Californication is like a staple. Uh, why do you think that is like, do you think it's because Hank is like a flawed human, like we all are, and yet like he finds light and it, it, it's got like, like value thing? Like, why do you yeah. think it struck a chord? I think because on, on the surface, Hank seems not to have uh, emotional or, or integrity values. Um, but uh, beneath that, he has kind of a, an honorable code that, that he keeps and that he thinks for himself in many ways. And he doesn't just kind of parrot the company line that, that sure. we do. So I think there's that. I think that if people could look beyond kind of the shiny, you know, the, the jokes or the, or the, or the sex or whatever, or, you know, the sexiness of the show to look beyond that to, you know, the heartbreak and the heartache and the, the, the family love and the, the love between Hank and Karen, you know, yeah. I, think, I think this, it, it kind of was this crazy combination of, of really like opposites, you know, and that somehow uh, you were able to kind of, I don't want to claim that you can root for this guy, but it seems like you could root for a guy that, that keeps on doing the wrong thing, that keeps on shooting himself in the foot. But right. also to me, it was always, I loved playing a character that just always spoke his mind, damn the consequences. You know, like if he saw bullshit, he called bullshit and it didn't matter if it was gonna result in him losing everything, you know? 
and you just wanted him to shut up, but he couldn't. And there's something lovable about that guy. Yeah, exactly. Well, David Duchovny, you have said it all. Your third album, August 20th, it's a fantastic album. Uh, we're so glad we got a chance to preview it. The people will love it, David. Thank you. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Dave. I appreciate your time as well. Thank you. All right. All right. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to J Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez.